Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Hello listeners and welcome to this Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode. This is your host Paul Lowe and I'm very, very happy to be joined today by a lady all the way from South Africa, Sherry Forsyth. Now you may recall Sherry's been with us on episodes previously and today she's going to join us to talk about the challenges of silent illnesses. Sherry, very, very warm welcome to you. Oh, thank you, Paul. It's always, I always feel very honoured to... Uh to have these discussions with you and uh, and hopefully be able to spread the, the word a little um, so that our listeners can maybe be comforted. Thank you. So the challenges of silent illnesses. Yeah, so what, why I chose this topic is because uh, particularly autoimmune diseases are on the increase worldwide. And many of those diseases um, are such that you don't ever look ill. Uh, you actually sometimes look incredibly healthy, but underneath it, your body is, 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 is really, really sick. And the challenge is because you look so well, people don't understand that there are lots of things that you can't do because actually underneath the, 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 the outer look of you, um, your body is very ill and very tired uh, you may be suffering from a lot of pain, uh, lack of energy. And so the person who has an autoimmune disease, very often um, it's frustrating for them because they don't want to continually say things like, um, oh, sorry, I can't go and do that walk along the beach with you because I'm in too much pain or um, I just don't have any energy today. And that's one of the biggest challenges is that many people who don't have autoimmune diseases can't understand that you are ill, even though you don't look ill. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and so uh, th- there's a whole list of, of silent, silent illnesses um, from diabetes to rheumatoid arthritis to uh, myasthenia gravis, uh, the, the list is, in fact, I think there's a list of 80 autoimmune diseases and most of those are silent. You can't see that the people are sick. And, and as, so I suffer from autoimmune as does my husband. And it's really difficult um, because you can, you can come across, Paul, as if you are lazy or negative because you can't do the things that everybody else can and so even though the disease itself is a challenge what is more of a challenge is that there's a lack of understanding uh, in the world out there for those who are suffering so 
if I'm, if I'm, I mean, this is interesting for me, um, Sherry, because if I can just, well, it's, it's always interesting, particularly, okay, like, particularly poignant. And, and, and the reason I say that is recently, um, my daughter's dog, um, and, and I use that term loosely because for me, yes, um, animals by definition are not humans, but they become so integrated into the family and they are one of the family. So I almost kind of uh, feel apologetic for calling this beautiful spirit a dog because that almost gives that connotation of it being uh, below human standard when sort of spiritually they are such a key part of the family. And not every, not every human will share that view, of course, um, but a lot of people will. But the point I'm trying to make is very recently um, he's been very ill, very ill and went from exactly what you've described, Sherry. So as you was talking, it's like, wow, this is deja vu uh, because uh, when I was recently back in the UK, the night before I left, he was bouncing around. He's a, he's a five year old border collie who's bouncing around like a two year old, you know, full of energy, full of life, full of mischief very very intelligent breed um and the very next day he'd gone downhill out just out the blue or seemingly to the point where maybe a week 10 days later uh we thought we was going to lose him um it was literally he's not going to survive the night and it's like wow where did this all come from what, what's going off here you know has he been bit has he picked up a virus or what, what's going off but interestingly, throughout all the various um, so-called diagnosis from various vets, um, Sherry, was was this consistency of this word that you, or these two words, this autoimmune. And so, well, what does that mean? What, what, what do you mean autoimmune? What, what does that mean? So as you was talking there with some of the symptoms of lethargy, etc., and, you know, um, and the silent nature of it, which I think is absolutely appropriate, it's like, well, you know, what what is that exactly? Because if you don't know what it is, how can you treat it? Um, so yeah, as you was talking there, as I say, it just it just brought it uh, it just brought it all back with with very very recent events, albeit in a sort of canine form, not a human form. And and has has the dog recovered fully? Uh, not fully, but he's certainly out of danger now. I mean, you know, they're moral victories that we're, we're gaining. I think it's the same with, with anything, Sherry, that, you know, when we come to... I think we get so complacent in life and comfortable, and it's not until we're shocked with a, a really stark, life-threatening or life-changing scenario that we, we kind of sit up and think, wow, okay, ouch, this is hurting. Um... You know, because we do, don't we? A trait of human nature is we do kind of, oh, it'll be all right. It'll go away. Uh, it's a bit of an inconvenience at the moment. But every now and again, something really critical uh, comes along in our life. And obviously, you know, you, you've um, you've put on record and on the podcast and in now speaking from a heart's book, Sherry, about your own personal experiences in this respect. And it's like how it completely turns your world upside down and makes you sit up and think about things completely differently. You know, it's not just a pebble in the shoe anymore, is it? It's a real, wow, what is going off here in my life? And, and uh, you know, maybe um, uh, uh, just to, to get clarity, um, uh, not all the silent illnesses are autoimmune. 
but a lot are. And um, so an autoimmune disease is when uh, your, um, your system becomes overactive, your immune system becomes overactive. And instead of fighting the disease, it actually starts fighting itself. So you, you, you auto, your immune system is actually fighting against your body. So it's like there's a little war going on there. And uh, depending on where your, uh, I suppose, bodily weakness is, that is often where you have the, the organ that's attacked um, and will determine what kind of autoimmune disease you have. So it's, it's really interesting um, uh, in that there's no, I mean, there's been lots of research done. Some of the things that are being bandied about is that, you know, maybe it's catalyzed by uh, stress and that lowers your immune system initially. Um, and then somehow something happens and they're not sure what it is, but you get into another cycle of suddenly your immune system becomes overactive and starts attacking itself. So, you know, that is um, one, of the, one of the challenges is that many, many doctors are uh, unaware of the nature of many of the um, autoimmune diseases. And very often, they, the patients are told there's nothing wrong with you. We've done all the blood tests and everything is fine, so there's nothing wrong with you. Um, and so, you know, that, that puts such immense pressure on, on you as the, as the patient that, that is suffering because you'll be told that it's all in your mind or, um, you know, the blood tests are clear, I've done all the other tests and there's nothing wrong with you. When you know deep, deep down that actually your body is really, really battling and the, the insensitivity of some of the doctors um, contribute to the emotional aspects of autoimmune. You know, so instead of, instead of leaving the doctor's office thinking, okay, so I know what's going on and I know what I've got to do, you left feeling guilty uh, that you are maybe a bit, <laughs> there's something wrong with your mind. Um, uh, you feel very alone because you then start questioning whether what you are feeling in your body is actually there or not. And um, it was interesting, we had a, an article in our local newspaper about a month ago about uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, which is uh, one of the autoimmune diseases. And saying that the researchers in the UK who are um, trying to pinpoint what is going on, what is happening to the body uh, in chronic fatigue, are being threatened, and I'm, and I'm talking about death threats, to some of the people who are who are studying this, because they are trying to, they're trying to say it's all in your mind, and therefore it's not a physical illness. And the people who are suffering from it are really irate by that, um, because there is another school of thought saying uh, it is a, a viral, bacterial, biological thing that is causing the chronic fatigue. So. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot that, uh, that, that's going on because we don't know exactly what the cause is. We just know we feel terrible. Yeah, and that's, that's an interesting point you raise, um, Sherry, because my own sort of personal thoughts on that, um, and the, this is based on experience and I suppose a more holistic approach because I think 
um, you know, there's no one size fits all cure to, to s solutions. Um, the power of the mind, um, just to play devil's advocate, the power of the mind is immeasurable. Once we learn how to use it and we don't let it use us. So tail does not wag dog, dog wags tail. I think that's very, very important. But the power of the mind, um, I think, it, as I say, I think it's a holistic approach. That is a big, big part of recovery. Uh, and I stand by that. And if that um, is deemed to be insensitive by certain members of society, well, you know, we all have choices. That's my experience. That's my research. However, the caveat on that is it's not it's not the be all and end all. I think it's a big part that we bring to the party. But we do need to take that understanding that, you know, our mind can serve us if we learn how to use it correctly and don't let our mind use us um, as I've you know, use that metaphor of, of tail wagging dog. So that that's my own kind of experience. And, and as one that's overcome diabetes and, and a lot of other labels that have been put on me over the years. Once I decided, and it was a conscious decision, Sherry, to take back control of my life, not what some so-called expert had said, oh, this is, this is, let me put this label on you. Then another one would uh, contradict and stick another label on me. And then another one. And I was, I'd got so many labels and I was taking so much medication. It was, it was beyond being farcical. And it's like, whoa, stop it. I'm not your guinea pig. Um, and I've always had that kind of ability to, challenge and test the system um so and and you know that that's kind of you know that that's led to a very i think significant road to recovery however you know i'll, I'll stress it again it's not the be all and end all because you know we've got some marvelous medical professionals um and like any walk of industry that you know there's some that's good there's some that's bad and there's some that's indifferent um, yet again, a trait of human nature. But I just wonder, Sherry, about this, um, and I'm going to throw something in now which might be even more controversial. Um, when we pick up something that, you know, we're talking about now and under the general banner of autoimmune, I just wonder, because as human beings, what we get so used to is this physical body and our mind. That is who we are. Well, no, it isn't. Because what we are is energy. That's what we are in a human form. And that energy, as we know, energy can't be destroyed. All energy can do is change its state. Um, and I suppose the most simplistic uh, example of that is when, you know, an ice cube in a solid form, if you eat it up, uh, it will it will change to, to liquid form. So, you know, the energy is still there but in a different form and it's the same for us so i'm thinking and this you know i have spent quite a lot of time thinking about this um sherry that when we pick up this this energy from somebody else that um that's transferred to us that could be challenging energy because that person that's particularly close to us um has had challenges um maybe we take on that and if i can be allowed to use the term negative energy but we take that on to alleviate their pain and suffering and so this silent illness we've now got it it's kind of 
within our energy, our good pure energy that was previously there, we've took that on now, that transference of energy, because we're, we're very close to that person. And as a result, we suffer. And in a very simplistic way, Sherry, that's my understanding of this transference of energy. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, Paul. Uh, and I agree with you, you know, uh, which is uh, very often when I, when I start with, uh, with new clients, um, when they are filling out uh, their life wheel and, and how they are seeing their, their life at the moment, I have an addition, additional question that I add in as to what, is your, what are your energy levels like? You know, rate them out of 10. Um, for me, that's such an indicator of, okay, this, they're pretty much on track or there's a lot of work that we've got to do. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people will say they've got low energy, but won't necessarily be suffering from uh, any of the autoimmune diseases. But it's a dangerous place to have low energy like that. And I think that in, from, from where I'm sitting, when your energy is depleted, that's when the, the, the immune system, I think, runs, runs right in our bodies. Um, and often the stress, uh, if there's a very stressful time at work or at home, our energy is going into resolving the issues. And that's often why we have a lower energy level. Uh, but definitely, I 100% agree with you that the, the amount of energy that you have on a daily basis is a huge indication of how healthy are you in mind and body. Yeah. And I think the thing is, um, Elaine, starting from a sort of basic perspective is, you know, we don't know what we don't know. I mean, I think it's all very well and good, you know, having this fascinating conversation. But, you know, dare I say that, you know, the average person may, may not be aware of this thing called energy. And, you know, so we don't know what we don't know. And the other thing is, as part of our human conditioning, we're so used to just get on with it. You'll be all right. It's, you know, what are you moaning at? Stop moaning. You know, this kind of stiff upper lip and that conditioning and everything will be, oh, it'll be okay tomorrow. It'll pass over. Well, it doesn't though, does it? In fact, you know, invariably it, it compounds internally to the point where something then gives. It's like, what is going off here? And then the confusion actually compounds even further the illness and it just becomes like a you know to use that sort of canine uh, metaphor it becomes like a dog chasing its tail round and round and round and round and round and it's like when's this going to stop what's happening here something needs to happen to break absolutely. this cycle absolutely and 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 you know just the cycle itself is exhausting as well so so um you know i i i think they're the kind of two parts of of battling with an autoimmune disease and the one is uh, how you yourself are coping with whatever the symptoms are that you are um, experiencing but also then your nearest and dearest are going to be caring for you or supporting you and I think it's very difficult for them to do that because you don't look sick and you know um, uh, in our situation it was really interesting because my husband, well, first of all, we were both highly energetic people. And um, uh, when I developed chronic fatigue syndrome about, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago, my husband was really, really outstanding. 
um, you know, if I needed to get into bed, you know, six o'clock in the evening, I would do that. You know, he would, he would take over looking after the kids. Um, and so for me, that was a, that was an absolute gift that he could give me that I could just go onto my bed and lie down and go to sleep. Uh, then when he developed, and he's got a very rare condition uh, uh, where the myelin sheath is getting eaten away um, as a result of stress. And it was almost like, well, now it's my turn to care for him. And when he says things like, my legs are too tired to climb up these steps, I absolutely know that. I know how, um, how difficult it is. Um, and, and I think it's if you have got a partner that is understanding of where you are at, then, you know, really it's, it's, it's amazing. But many times the sufferers left basically to try and carry on on their own because their partners don't know what to do. There's not a, you know, there's not a, a concrete blood test or a concrete diagnosis sometimes. And it's that confusion uh, that the, the person that's suffering suffers from, as well as the fact that then they can't they can't say to their partners um, what's wrong with them because they actually don't know themselves. And uh, my father, who's eighty nine, um, he was talking to me the other day. My older brother lives in the UK, and he has um, he's very ill at the moment with uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. And my dad was saying to me, I can't understand how Mark says he's, he's too tired to eat. And I said, no, that is, that's how you get. You're too tired to eat. You can't walk. You can't get out of bed. Um, and then people are, are, can be quite judgmental uh, because they, they don't have an understanding that actually your body is ill. So... At the risk of sounding or creating a very oversimplistic question, Sherry, what's the way forward? I think that, you know, the way forward, and it does depend on, on how severe your autoimmune disease is. Um, so I'll give two case scenarios. Uh, so, for example, for me, um, every once in a while, my chronic fatigue raises its ugly little head. And then I know I've got to just take it easy for, uh, for a week or two. Uh, not meaning I've got to be in bed all the time, but I just have to be really careful in managing my energy. But having said that, I, you know, I run um, 21Ks, marathons, half marathons, and my energy levels are, if people had to judge, they probably are better than most. Uh, but it's because I think I had a very mild form of chronic fatigue and I, I did my best to get over it completely by giving my body what it needed, which was rest. But a friend of ours suffers from fibromyalgia where she is confined to bed. She's often in hospital. And just to put it into perspective, we went down um, to Durban, which is an hour away from where we live, to a show. And it wasn't very late. We probably came, we were probably home by about half past 11. And she had to spend the next month in bed because she had overdone it. And um, they call it payback. So if you overdo things, your body will pay you back by, 
by kind of collapsing for a while. Now she is a, she's a very positive person, but she's got she lives with so much pain. How, you know how does one go forward in in her situation? So she goes to hospital a lot. She's on huge pain killing medication, um, but she's really in a bad way. Uh, kind of saying I I don't even know that it's it's worth living anymore. Um, so to answer your question, I think. The way forward very much depends on the nature of the autoimmune disease and how severely you how severely you affected by it. Um, uh, so in my case, I slept a lot for probably about eighteen months. Uh, I would take our children to school. I'd come back. I'd sleep for the whole morning. I'd spend the afternoon with them, and by the time my husband came home at sort of five half past five. I was ready to go back to bed again. So in my particular case, what really worked for me was rest. And the second thing that, that I have to apply even now is managing my energy really carefully. So because my nature is to just go flat out <laughs> all the time, and then I can overdo it and then get into that payback state. So I think listening to your body is probably one of the most important things uh, when you have got an autoimmune disease and giving it what it needs. So uh, I very also agree with the holistic approach. Um, you know, we need to look at what we're putting into our bodies, uh, what foods are harming the particular condition you have, uh, and any foods that cause a lot of acidity are are preparing your body for illness. So we need to have an alkaline diet. Um, it, depending on how tired your body is, can you drink a glass of wine or not? Uh, for some people, just the added um, stress that we're putting on the body by introducing a toxin like alcohol uh, can set you back weeks. So you know, to try and do all the supposed right things with your diet, making sure that you're sleeping properly. And for people who are really ill, they need more sleep. So they need more than the eight hours. They would probably need closer to 10 hours of sleep a night. And um, yeah, maybe, maybe stopping drinking for a while uh, so that you're limiting the toxins that are coming into your body. But the, yeah, the basic thing is to, to really be very tuned in with your body about what you can and can't do, and then not allow other people to force you to push yourself. And that's, that's a difficult thing because a lot of people who get autoimmune diseases, their natural inclination is to push themselves anyway. So yeah, um, yeah. And I, and I think you know, if you can find a really good um, functional medical doctor or they call them integrative medical doctors who see you in a very holistic manner. I think that's a huge bonus. Um, also, I, I, I've used a, a homeopath uh, for many, many years. And uh, so she treated me holistically as well, taking into account the emotional and the physical. Uh, but it is, a, it is a journey and there's no quick fix. So the other thing, Paul, that I think is really uh, relevant to mention is that sometimes you can do all the supposedly the right things. So you're eating correctly, you're giving yourself enough rest, 
you're hydrating properly. And out of nowhere, like you mentioned your daughter's dog, suddenly you get an attack. And that's very hard to deal with because it can make you very demotivated in that you're thinking, but I've, I've done all the right things. So where did, the, where did this attack come from? And that's quite difficult to deal with. There's, um, and I agree with those uh, practical steps there, that to, particularly about the rest. I think, uh, you know, the, the power that goes with sleep is, is, is unquestionable, you know, to, to each and every one of us, irrespective of what the challenge is or not as the case may be. But for me, Sherry, there's something that underpins all of this. And, and that is around this thing called love. And whether we're getting that externally or more importantly, internally, that is the very foundation. And what I've found to be true, um, not only for my own sort of uh, very stark contrasting road from acute suffering to, um, to, to, a, to a prosperous life now has, has been that that self-forgiveness and that self-love because I think we harbour so much energy around the mistakes we've made and we should all over ourselves. Well, I should have done this and I should have done that and I could have done this and I would have done that. Could, should, would. You know, they're, they're words that are banned in my vocabulary because they hold our mind prisoner. And that mind creates then this negative internal toxic energy that rests within our body and and, and it brings us down. There's no two ways about that. Um, so I think there's this whole underpinning approach and, and being aware that actually, do you know what? You're human being first and foremost. Um, actually, not strictly true because as we know, well, I firmly believe, as, not, as we know, I shouldn't say that, but we are spiritual beings having human experiences. Um, but that's another time, another place. And there's a lot of people that might not agree with that or understand it or whatever. But let's, for the sake of this conversation, assume that we are human first and foremost, because that's what we understand. That's the certainty in our life uh, that, you know, the vast majority of people understand. And so within that certainty of I am human. OK, so that's fine. But realize as a human, then you're fallible. You know, you'll make mistakes, brackets, learn lessons. And that's absolutely fine. And it's about this whole like self-acceptance, self-forgiveness, more importantly, Sherry, self-love. And I think that for me um, is, is a massive contributor to the holistic process um, of, you know, of recovery. Absolutely. Uh, I agree 100 percent, Paul. Uh, and for, for listeners out there who are interested in, in um, possibly researching uh, self-love or self-compassion. Uh, the guru is a lady called Kristen Neff, spelled K-R-I-S-T-E-N, and her surname is N for Nelly, E-double-F, Kristen Neff. And she she's a real, she's, she does lots of TED talks about self-compassion. Her whole life is, is studying self-compassion. So if, if uh, our listeners feel that maybe that's an area they need to uh, sharpen up on, uh, I would recommend that they go and listen to her and, and, and maybe read her books. Um, because in our society, we, we kind of are trained to, to beat ourselves up um, very sadly. And, and the minute that we can start 
um, loving ourselves and as you say cutting some cutting yourself some slack not not expecting perfection we are all human and the minute we can embrace that um, there's less stress in our bodies and less stress in our lives and uh, the other the other the other thing I wanted to mention about um, love is if you are ill but you know you loved it just makes your heart not panic so much I think that's just a personal thing uh, it kind of gives you a bit of food um, with the support that you're receiving from from the people that love you I agree and I think uh, when, when I look at back of my three pillars of life model Sherry which is purpose prosperity and philanthropy and in very simple terms our purpose is a reason to get out of bed every day um, our um, prosperity is enjoying life so it's okay to have a purpose that's fine that's our kind of foundation level but we actually then want to go a stage further and enjoy life because otherwise we're just existing we're just performing we're just being and that's not enough uh, well for a lot of people actually it is but for me I say well okay listen enjoy your life you know this thing this this thing called happiness it is an internal mechanism um, and it's only our perceptions that challenge what happiness is, you know, and that's different for some people. It's having five cars, sports cars parked on the driveway with a big mansion of a house and all the fancy watches and clothes. And, and that's fine if that's, you know, for other people, it's of a more spiritual dimension. There's no right or wrong. Um, but the philanthropy then is OK. So I've learned these lessons in life, whatever they may be. I need to share them with the world that's my contribution. So philanthropy, not necessarily in a financial sense, but giving back to the, you know, the Greek word for philanthropy is a love of humanity. Um, and that's a very simple approach for me of, OK, I know why I get out of bed in the morning. I really enjoy my life uh, and its challenges. You know, it's, I'm not living in some bubble where, oh, the world's a beautiful place. I face the challenges. Um but then whatever lessons I take out, I pass them on. And that's the essence, really, of this podcast, uh, not just this episode, Sherry, but all of them, where we're exchanging views, thoughts, opinions. We don't necessarily have to agree. Um, and the listeners can, you know, relate or not to, to what they hear. If we carry on doing the same things, expecting us to now be more healthy, I mean, that's the definition of madness when you, when you do the same things and you expect a different result. So a big part of uh, learning to deal with uh, these silent illnesses is to have a look at your thinking patterns, um, to see where there might be a negative belief or a negative pattern that is contributing to your ill health. And then to have the courage to change that pattern. And um, I'm going to give you an example uh, from a, a psychologist that I saw when I was first diagnosed with a chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, so I'm the kind of person who, <clears throat> who has to do 100 things, for example, in a day. Most people have to do 50, but I have to do 100. This is the mindset okay, that, that created, that contributed to chronic fatigue. And then if I only do 99 of those things and not the 100, I beat myself up. Okay, so 
So that was the mindset that was contributing to chronic fatigue syndrome. And she said to me, the psychologist said, so what you're doing is you're looking down on yourself for the things you haven't done. Can you switch it around and look from the bottom up at the things that you have done today? And that was a total switch from a negative beating myself up kind of scenario to, oh, wow, look at, look at how much I managed to do today. And immediately there was a positive spin. And I've never forgotten that. Um, sometimes I, you know, I have to remind myself if I'm, if I'm tempted to overdo things, just to remember that um, we mustn't beat ourselves up for what we can't do. We must rather look at what we can do and be proud of that. And um, yeah, as I say, that would have been in about 20 years ago, 25 years ago that she gave that advice. And I, and I, I think it's still very valid today. Definitely. And I think on that um, relaxing note, Sherry, <laughs> um, is, is a good place to leave this. Uh, I mean, we could we could talk for hours about this and we could come at it from so many different angles. It's a fascinating topic um, and not only fascinating from a, a sort of a, an academic point of view, but actually in a real practical life um, life way. So, um I'm sure there's further mileage in this for us to regroup. So if you had just one parting message now, Sherry, um, what would it be? What would the uh, what would be this sort of, uh, you know, almost the elevator pitch with 30 seconds in an elevator together. And, and it's like, OK, Paul, this is what I would strongly encourage you uh, to do. What, what would that be, Sherry? I think, Paul, uh, my parting shot would be uh, you know, to retain as much of a positive mindset as you can, uh, listen to your body and give it what it needs, and approach it in a holistic way. So many illnesses are approached only from the physical perspective when, when, you, when you're being treated by a doctor. But there's a spiritual aspect, aspect, there's an emotional aspect, and there's a physical aspect. So to combine all of those and maybe give yourself a little bit of a rethink as to how you're living your life. And the second question is, what is this illness teaching me? And so that immediately makes it uh, much more positive than, um, than if you just get locked into the hopelessness of the fact that you're not well. Brilliant. Okay, um, Sherry, thank you for that. Um, if listeners want to find um, out more about you, and, you, and I know you've got a coaching business, what's the? how, how can people reach out and find you? If people want to uh, make contact with me, I would love that. Um, they can go and look at my website, which is www.sherryforsyth.com. Or otherwise, you can email me, um, Sherry Forsyth, spelled C-H-E-R-R-I-F-O-R-S-Y-T-H, at gmail.com. And especially if you are suffering from uh, a long-term silent illness, I would love to hear from you because I am busy putting together a workshop uh, that I want to run in September on exactly this, on what are your experiences? What are your challenges? How are you being cared for? Who is supporting you? So that we can, yeah, blow, you get some, blow away the silence that surrounds these silent illnesses. Excellent. Superb. Thank you once again, Sherry. So 
There you have it, listeners. Um, the wonderful Sherry Forsyth talking to us about the challenges of silent illnesses. So I suppose all that remains now is for me to, to wish you good health and stay safe and, more importantly, be loved. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success. <laughs>